Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody how you doing well that's good you're listening to phly flyers that's right phly my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening with me as always the city's number one philadelphia flyers beat reporter charlie o'connor what's up chuck doing okay i i love the the boosting of me i really appreciate that i mean who's gonna take the like no one's gonna no one's gonna argue this okay i mean you know what let's let's not there's only like three of you guys that is left. True. there aren't that many left. jordan hall does a good That's, job jordan too. does an excellent jordan does job. A good job jordan is the jordan is the hardest working guy in the entire city maybe in the entire sportscape <laughs> not to sell you sure i don't work hard at all i'm not even putting myself in this conversation jordan does a great job because he's in on everything uh you are the best writer to me you're the best hockey writer in the city and you also cover them day to day it's not like you're just doing features so number one beat reporter i think it's fair i mean i'll take the compliment i'm not complaining (laughs) (laughs) there's uh there's this guy at the athletic who was pretty good but um oh shit no that was you it's me Uh, yeah that was you uh now he's here with us uh so we have a lot to get to today it was the final day in Voorhees of rookie camp they have a single day off tomorrow uh wednesday before Main camp opens Thursday, and today on the final day of rookie camp. And it's not even really a day off. It's physicals day, it's and also the day no, where, where they get in front of the cameras and take all the pictures yeah. that they use. No on ice and no media? No media. No, so it's so I have your a day, day off, off of. tomorrow. Congratulations. It's your only one until April. Exactly. Uh, and then, and then uh, Thursday main camp opens. But on this final day of rookie camp... General Manager Danny Briere uh, addressed the assembled media, and we're going to get into a lot of what he talked about today because I think there's some very interesting quotes about the young players, the veterans, the coach, the mindset going into the season, the goalie. We're going to get into all of it. Uh, I have to start with what was my absolute favorite part, and it was at the very beginning uh, when he's asked about the health of the veterans, and clearly this is a question about Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson. Obviously. But he throws in, because he says, knock on wood, like everyone's pretty healthy. Uh, J.R. Avon was banged up. And he said, Matt, is that Brown? Yeah, Mateo Man. Oh, Mateo. Right, right, right. We talked about that. Mateo Man, uh, also a little banged up. But pretty much everyone healthy going into main camp. However, obviously, Ellis will not be on the ice. And that just... It made me laugh because, I mean, he's just throwing it in there because if any, so just to head off the question. Yeah, exactly. But it is just a little bit of that, uh, that transparency we've been, like, it, it doesn't even need to be said at this point, but he's just re-saying it just so no one can ask him, like, we've been wondering about Ryan Ellis for two years and they've told us, like, he's, his career's it's over, over, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. His, he's, he's pronger. Like, he's on the payroll because this is how it works. If he retires, he doesn't get paid yeah. and he wants to get paid, but... It's over for him. They're, they're, they're telling us that, though. And it's just one of those stupid little things that if you were 
you were mad at the previous regime about the way they handled things. We can't say that about them, even though like we couldn't say it before. They told us, but they're telling us again. We'll it find just, it. Just made me laugh. We'll find reasons to be mad at oh, the new we'll, regime. We'll without find a doubt. plenty of reasons <laughs> to be mad at them over the next few months. But it's just a little bit more of that. We're different. That and that it's just a small little takeaway. There was plenty of way more important things said in this, but that was my biggest takeaway. Well, it's just it's always kind of amusing when Ryan Ellis comes up, just yes. because. Oh right, he him. Oh yeah, he's still here, kind of a little bit, and yeah, his career is done. Unfortunately, I, I always will feel bad for Ryan Ellis. It, I was really looking forward to seeing him play with the Flyers. I'd always liked him as a player the in Nashville. The best defenseman. Yeah, and then. It, he, he was going to be the best defenseman the Flyers have had since Kimo Tiemann and Probably. got hurt. Probably, yeah. And since then, blood clot Kimo Tiemann. And then he got flyered. And then, yeah, he yeah. just had a multi-layered injury <laughs> that no one could explain for two years. Oh uh, it turns out there is no explanation. He's just done. Yeah, pretty uh, much. But we can, we can move on from Ryan Ellis because it's not all that important. Uh, what is important, though, is the return of Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson and where they kind of slot into this... Uh, where they kind of slot into this lineup. And what I liked was Briere acknowledging, yeah, it was probably great for Noah Cates and Morgan Frost's uh, development last year. And Owen Tippett as well, like guys who would, you know, maybe Atkinson would have been playing over. But really those two young centers, probably great for their development that they had those high leverage minutes it was them they were the guys yeah there's no one else really <laughs> the only center on the roster coming in the coach hated <laughs> and moved to the wing so it was it was them and while he acknowledges yeah that was great for the rebuild great for their development but ultimately we want them in the situations they're going to succeed we want them in the role that we see for them going forward right. and that ain't one in two c for these guys yeah. it's further down the lineup yeah, and I think the thing with Katuri and Atkinson, and I totally get this from a fan perspective, is people are not going to fully believe that these guys are healthy until they actually see them, number one, at camp, but not everybody goes to camp, number two, in preseason games, and then number three, in an actual yeah. regular season game, just because they've been burned so much over the last three, four years yeah. with hearing that, oh, no, they're healthy, they're coming back, and then, oh, no, he's dead, actually. You'll never see him again. And what I will say about Katuri and Atkinson is that even though these sorts of things get said by Briere and whatnot that, yeah, they're healthy, like I've watched Sean Katuri and Cam Atkinson skate with their teammates throughout this month when I've been at the practice facility because, again, as we mentioned, basically everybody's been back since the 1st of September, and they've been doing these informal practice scrimmage skates with all of the vets to the point where they literally when they're done they will do a basically what happens at the end of every practice for those that don't know is they all go in a circle in the face-off circle and do stretches and they've been doing that like it might as well be a form it's of practice. practice it's just that there aren't coaches There's, out there because yeah. they're not allowed to be but like Katuri and Atkinson look like Katuri and Atkinson they are involved in checks they're battling in the corner they're skating up and down the ice like, these guys are healthy now whether that doesn't last into the season i guess we'll see but the flyers are not lying in that they're saying that these guys are healthy they are out there i have seen them they are real and they are healthy enough to start camp at presumably as close to 100 percent as guys in their 30s coming off of major surgeries can be that's i was happy to see somebody ask because it's on one hand we are happy to see them like i want them to be healthy right. i want their c careers to continue uh, like a career ending back or neck injury that ain't cool for anybody no. but their return we've talked about this a couple of days ago can affect what what happens in this rebuild one they're good players like sean couturier is gonna help you win more games than you won last year. He is that type of player. Sure. He is 100%. Uh, Cam Atkinson, he can help you out on special teams. He's going to score goals for you. Uh, Torts guy, like he's also a key piece of what we thought the team was going to be a few years ago when they were trying to win. He's a good player when healthy. We don't necessarily want that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, we as fans, like we want the team to be bad. That is the point of acknowledging the rebuild. Like, okay, now be bad. 
so that we can get as many you know lottery tickets as we can get yeah. and then have the high-end players a few years from now so we can hit the ground with Gauthier and Mishkov and all these guys and be a cup contender eventually for the first time in a decade. I like how he said it is a balancing act. Like right. Danny Pierre said, listen, we're not tanking games. That's not happening. We want to bring these young guys up and develop them, absolutely. But we want them to be a part of... He said winning culture. Now, they're not, gonna, they're not making the playoffs. They're not going to win a ton of games. But a culture of a team that goes out and tries to win every night and leaves everything on the ice. And maybe it's not ideal like for we need every high-end you know, possibility we can get. But I do think it is ideal in terms of this is what the team, like, especially since we think the GM and president are going to be the same when they're good again. And maybe John Tortorella is not the coach, but he's, he's somewhere he's yeah. somewhere in the organization, I think. They want all of this in place. And I don't think that's a horrible way to start. To me, Couturier, like Atkinson, you're hoping he comes back healthy. Maybe he gets traded, whatever. Yeah. But to me, Couturier is actually really important to all of this for a couple and it's really important for the flyers for Katuri to come back close to 100 percent not because he'll make them win too many games and they're going to get the eighth overall pick rather than the fourth like yeah that could happen and that would be a bummer but to me Katuri coming back healthy would be huge for this team in a good way on a lot of levels number one and we've talked about this before if he's close to what he used to be, he's going to help the development of guys because you can put somebody on Couturier's line and they just won't, it won't be as difficult. They'll have easier minutes because Couturier is doing all the difficult things while they're just allowed to go out and work on their offense and work on their creativity. So that's number one. Number two, though, and this really is the big thing for me with Couturier, that contract. And if he... He's going to be around. If he can come back and be really good Sean Couturier, everyone should very much be rooting for this because that means that one of two things could happen. Both of these things would be good. The first thing is, okay, he's back. He's still real good. Now we can have the conversation with him about, hey, would you be willing to waive that no move because you probably don't fit the timeline anymore? That would be number one, which would be a great thing because if he's willing to, to waive the no move, then you get, maybe get some actual value back for him. Maybe you don't have a potential albatross on your cap. Also, there's the possibility that if he comes back and is really good and is still the Sean Couturier of old, I don't think it's completely insane to think that he maybe could stay really good. You know, that's the hope. The hope here is that he comes back, he's Sean Couturier, and even when he's 35 years old, he's still Sean Couturier, and now you got Mavé Mitchkov coming in, and you still have a really good 2C in Sean Couturier, and with the increase in the cap ceiling, maybe $7.75 million doesn't look that bad anymore, given that after next year, it's going to start skyrocketing as well, long as we don't have another pandemic. It sounds like I'm hearing it could go up five mil next yeah. year. Like there's yeah. a chance this thing, and I know it's the NHL. They you could, never know. They could cry broke and be like, <laughs> we have to detract some teams. I like, yeah. you know, like whatever. But it is, it's possible that that seven seven five isn't what we think in our head of it now. Like exactly. it's a much lower percentage of the cap than it is you know, than it has been through this stagnant cap era. Exactly. And to me, the people who are looking at Couturier's return and kind of saying to themselves, oh God, he's going to make us better. Yes, that would be not the best thing because you want to get high draft picks. But to me, him coming back and being bad is so much worse of yeah. a scenario for the Flyers because that means You're that stuck. literally through what, like 2030, yeah. you've got a $7.75 million cap albatross that you can't do anything He's about. He's not helping you and you cannot trade Exactly. Him. Like, it would be such a bad thing if Couturier comes back. It would honestly be better for the Flyers if he just were to get hurt again. The worst oh. case scenario is he comes back, plays, and is bad. So... Fans very much, you know, yes, maybe he'll help them win a few more extra games. But the worst case scenario is not that. The worst case scenario is he comes back as a shell of himself. Then he's untradeable because no one's going to take him even if he would waive the no movement clause. And in four or five years when we're hoping this team has turned the corner, he's still an albatross on their cap.
That's uh, I, I liked what Danny said also. He he talked about he's read the predictions for what everyone expects from this team. And, you know, he says everyone is picking us to be last, bottom three in the NHL. Yeah, and maybe he, that's not wrong. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> what they end up being. But he says, I hope the players, especially the uh, the veterans that are coming back, read that and use it as motivation. They're not going to do anything to like improve the team. I mean, maybe at the trade deadline, if they're so much better than we expect, yeah. they, they, they do something. Maybe. But they're putting it on the guys in the locker room. To be sure. Like, listen, we didn't, we didn't, uh, yeah, okay, we added Mark Stahl, Garnett Hathaway, but we didn't actually add to this team. No. We're not going to do anything to help you. It's on all of you. If you don't want to be miserable all season, <laughs> like go ahead, go out and prove it. And while you're proving it, like you're going to earn higher places in the lineup. I really like how this entire thing is, uh, how they're presenting it. Like we're not tanking, but we expect to be bad. Everyone expects us to be bad. We'll see how it works out. It's on all of the players to prove that wrong. I just think it's nice, and I think this this really goes into why the fans, at least the fans I deal with on a regular basis, are nowhere near as angry as they were last year, or even the year before. It just it doesn't. No one seems delusional. Well, it's not even that. It just it doesn't. Well, that is exactly what it is, though. It doesn't <laughs> seem like people feel like they're being lied to anymore. Yeah. There was a long period of time where fans really felt like they were being sold a bill of goods, and that the the people at the top were just bald face lying to their face it's, it, it was really it was honestly lying was the worst of uh, or was the better of two evils because the other alternative to that was the people running my favorite hockey team are morons <laughs> like if they actually believe what they're telling us we have no chance ever yeah like they are yeah. never gonna figure this out because they're idiots i hope they're lying <laughs> like i really i honestly hope that they were lying to me because if you're looking at what i'm looking at and you're like no, we're gonna get this turned around. Then I'm sorry, you're you're on the wrong channel. Yeah, like you were yeah. you were you were watching the Hurricanes. You, like yeah, like you saw them yes, play. That's what a good team looks there's like. There's something the matter with you. If you looked at the good teams that looked at this one and were like, we're close. No, you're not. Yeah. Stop saying it. Exactly. And at least they have stopped saying it, but they're not putting it out of the like realm of possibility that the this group of players could be more than we're expecting. And, like, it, and it could. Hockey's weird. Yeah. Truly, weird it, uh, things happen in hockey. Stupid team. Like, if Carter Hart has a 926 save percentage, they're going to be in the playoffs. Because like, <laughs> that's what happens in hockey. Yeah. You get goalied some nights. And if he has you know 40 starts and 38 of them are awesome, they're going to the playoffs. <laughs> like, that's just what happens. If you think the Flyers are going to make the playoffs, man, you can probably get some great odds. And you know where probably you can could. get those odds? You can get them at DraftKings. Yes, football is bad. It is in full swing, but hockey's coming back too. Uh, but football's back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? It's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Uh, new customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. But nobody is missing out on this action if you've been a DraftKings customer. Guess what? It's not just new customers. You can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. That's right. Plenty of time left this month to take advantage of what uh, what DraftKings has going on for new and existing customers. So get in on NFL Week 3 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PHLY to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Here we go. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Just call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. See sportsbook.draftkings.com com slash football terms for eligibility terms are responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply
Bill, I give you like a 90 out of 100 on that. That, that was a good bad. one. That was, that there, there were bad. a couple hiccups, but for the most part, you pretty much nailed that one. I did. I was uh, I was pretty pleased with the way that one went. I mean, we're into week two now. This is what, show six? Sounds so, right. Yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. So uh, you're the math guy, but <laughs> I, I, I do think it is uh, I do think it is getting better. I also don't have the new read, so I had to improv week three for week two there. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so that was, that was something. It's a, it's a pro move right there <laughs> yeah. by you, honestly. It's probably like they're not a spot. <laughs> anymore and that's why i don't have a read just gave out a free all right anyway back to the flyers um the hockey team the flyers yeah so we they talked about the veterans and the you know the honestly the positives and negatives of couturier and atkinson coming back sure uh but then they got into the rookies and what was uh the takeaway from the rookie game especially forster brink and uh day noyer my takeaway from this was Rookie camp and the rookie games weren't that big a deal. Like, especially for Tyson Forster, who it's like, Briere was like, yeah, you know, maybe hopefully it was a wake-up call. Maybe they just didn't get some bounces. Like, wouldn't say he was making excuses for him, but was just kind of saying what could have happened, why he wasn't, you know, the most dominant player on yeah. the ice in the rookie game, and then saying, he's getting ready for main camp. Like, oh, Okay, so that's the that's the most important thing. Not that that's a shock. Like John Tortorella isn't at one, and he's going to be at the other. <laughs> so it's pretty apparent which yeah. one's most important. To be sure, but I kind of I was encouraged to hear that rookie camp isn't gonna, and the rookie games especially put Forster further behind than he would be otherwise. I did get the sense talking with Danny today that. His comments, in a way, were a little bit of a reaction to the comments of Ian LaPerriere. I just think Ian LaPerriere, he was frustrated. They'd lost two straight games. He's a competitive guy, and he was hoping for more from the guys who he expected to lead the way to get him some wins. Are those games meaningless? Yeah, they're meaningless, but you're still competitive. You still want to see your guys win. I think he was a little frustrated, and I think Briere came up there with the goal of kind of Basically, just take telling everybody take a big old step back, calm down. It's not the end of the world that Tyson Forrester didn't score two goals. It's not the end of the world that Bobby Brink didn't look great. If they're struggling in preseason two, then we got a problem. But let's not write these guys off because they didn't have the greatest weekend in Allentown after one practice. And that's something I think, like we put a lot of emphasis on those rookie games because. This is what we're doing. Right. And this is what's going on. To be sure. It was the only thing that was happening last week. And it's the only thing that has happened up to this point yeah. until Danny spoke today. So we're going to put a lot of focus on it. But it was a, as you wrote in your article, like cross somewhere between preseason game and glorified scrimmage exactly after a single practice like they had a morning skate but it was like thursday one practice morning skate two games i who knows you know the line mates you've never been with yeah. before who kn all sorts of reasons that okay let's take the step back and remember what that was the actual important thing starts thursday to be sure and I think Briere, this is actually, I got a kick out of this. I almost laughed, like just chuckled in the, uh, in the press conference room, but Briere, then he goes into talking about the guys who he did thought he did think were impressive. And he literally looks down at his paper. He said, I wrote them all down. He had a list of the guys who he wanted to give shout outs to in this press conference. And there were quite a few of them. It was a uh, wisdom to Amala. It was pretty much all the guys who we said Barky. yesterday, Barky, Chernick, uh, Ginning, gotta say it right. It's ginning. Ginning. Um, You've Gronzi been saying like, it right. I've been, I've been saying, saying ginning. You've been saying ginning. Uh, Bonk, he liked a lot. So there were a lot of guys. Emil Andre, he said he thought improved as the game went on, and by the third period, was playing really well in the in the game he played in. So really, it was number one. It was nice to hear that my evaluation of the players lined up with the GM's evaluation of the players. That was great. He liked the three defensemen a lot, yes. from what I read in the quotes. It like, sure seems he like was it. like Andre. He said the yeah got better as the game went on but he's he seems like a guy who might be kind of works his way into the game the way we said about uh the way we said about day noyer and wisdom as to be well sure. and like everyone seems to have been impressed with bonk which is really good to see and he brought up the you know what we said yesterday he's also 18 yeah like this was his first taste of pro hockey and so he kind of got to get in there and look better than expected and yeah and ginning is Ginning. It, 
He even said, like, going to see some time this year. Yeah. It seems like he might be the first call up. Jinning, I think, and I've said this on Twitter, I've said this on the show, I don't think fans fully understand how high people in the organization are on him. I think the people in the organization know that he's nothing more than a third-pair defenseman, but I think they feel like he is an NHL-ready third-pair defenseman, and he has a real chance of making this and team. And this team's defense is real bad. It's not so good. it's definitely possible <laughs> like, he good. could make this team. It's not out of the realm of possibility he makes this team. Sure. Like, okay, we're going to play him over Zamula and Sealer. All right, no loss. Yeah, right. Like, I like both of those guys. I'm a fan of Nick Sealer because he's a badass. True. But is he going to help you win games down the line? I don't know. I mean, he's not part of the future yeah. that's clear yeah. he might help you win a game or two this year but i don't want not, to win it he's not going to be part of the mitch <laughs> no, flyers yes, exactly so he's just a guy who's around and he takes minutes for now but he's not someone who you're penciling in three four years down the road as a key piece i uh i had to i when you sent me the quotes from the uh from this briere interview whatever it was today scrum uh was it a press conference or just like an informal press conference okay there's there's a room next to the media room in Voorhees that they have these press conference ish things where basically the guys sit at a table and then we all all interview them so I would say I would call it a press conference okay at this presser today uh I I was like oh this had to be a Charlie question and apparently it wasn't you said you think it was Bill Meltzer when he you asked or someone asked about Lisinski and Allison they're not uh waiver exempt anymore they're getting a little older and that's I don't know it seemed there like yeah they're getting passed by like it's it's happening it it really does seem like they might be Lazinski is in a really tough spot because yeah. he didn't establish himself as an NHL player last year Tortorella did not like what he saw from him it was pretty clear at the end of the year when we were asking about him that Tor's just like Oh, yeah, he's just some dude. I I don't really care. Allison, (laughs) to me, is the guy who I don't know where he fits, but I still like him. I still I think he's an NHL player. I think he showed last year that he can be an effective one. He showed flashes of being a good one. But I don't know where he fits in this lineup, especially if Tyson Forrester makes the team, because you got Atkinson coming back. Lawton's going to be on the wing. You sign Garnet Garnet Hathaway. Delorier presumably is going to get a lot of games because he's Nick Delorier and he's there to, I guess, protect the kids. Captain I guess that's the, the idea. Team, there we go. So where does Wade Allison fit? Is he? I, I I guess he makes the team, but it would not shock me in the slightest if he's the scratch for game one and he has to wait for some injuries to really get his chance to show that he can take another step because I still think there's something there. He's a good player. I think he's a good player. He just cannot stay healthy. It is just, and it's the way he plays. Like there's not, I mean, he's, He's a little cannonball out there, man. He's, he's Mike, not little. He's he, pretty big. I, I just mean, like, <laughs> he's Mike Richards out there. He's running around. He's going to the net. Yeah. And you, you can get hurt doing those to be things. Sure. And he's already had, like, the history of knee injuries in college. And he's just been banged up his entire pro career. I see a dude who it's like, man, even if he only plays 50 games for us, hopefully some of them come in the playoffs. Yeah. But when you're looking for guys you can depend on, and also, he's not young anymore. No, he's like he's 25, not, Yeah, I he's, think. he's in... This is this is him. He's in his prime. He needs to... Like I said, or like he's one of these S or get off the pot guys. Yeah. Like, he needs to make this team or he ain't going to be here. Allison is a guy where... I don't know if it's ultimately going to work in Philly, but he's a guy who I could easily see at age 28 have a breakout season for... Phoenix, yeah, Arizona like, or something. Has 22 goals. Yeah, and, I could see yeah. it. Because there's something there. I hope the Flyers are the team that unearths it. But it's starting to seem like it's a numbers game. There's only so many of these guys you can give a lot of ice time to and give the kind of usage they need in order to develop into what they may or may not develop into. And Allison last year, while he made more of an impression, more of a positive impression than, uh, than Tanner Lazinski, he's he needs to have a really good camp. Let me put it that way. It, I could still see it working out here, but he needs to kill it. He needs to have the kind of camp that the prospects need to have, in my mind, to really carve yes. out a role as an every-night player to start the season. I think definitely to be in the lineup, yeah. he needs to do that. Because I don't think anyone was uh, particularly impressed with Lazinski last year. No. But like we've liked everything we've seen out of Wade Allison. 
The coach does not agree. The coach was really hard. Torts was really hard on Allison, and he was open about that, that he pushed Wade Allison a lot. And he said, honestly, I really like what he turned into over the he course of the year. He seems like a, a Torts type of guy yeah. if he could stay on that, the ice. That, and that's the thing. There was that comical uh, press conference where Torts basically just said he's always hurt about 10 times over the course of 10 minutes. Yeah. And it was... I didn't love it. I thought it was a little much. A little. Because to me, it, it hinted that Torts was implying that Allison was kind of milking it with these injuries. I think that was sort of the implication that he allowed people to draw from that presser. And I don't like that because to me, that one of the big problems with the Flyers over the last few years has been guys coming back too early from injuries. Yeah. I don't want him to be putting pressure on a guy like Allison to come back too early from injury to be creating that kind of culture. That said, he wasn't wrong in that Wade Allison gets hurt a lot and it's a problem. Now, again, as you mentioned, part of that is his style of play. Maybe part of that is just his body that, you know, some guys get hurt a lot. That's just the way it goes. But he needs to, number one, have a great camp. Number two, if he has a great camp and earns himself a spot in the lineup, he can't afford to get injured. He needs to, at least for the first, like, two months of this year, be healthy, stay in the lineup, and then make it clear that he needs to stay in the lineup. Yeah, and score some goals while you're at that it. That would Wade, help. You know, because I just, I see so much in this guy. So you do know, I. We talk about the how stacked they are in the bottom half of their lineup, but he's one of those dudes who I don't could know if actually. stacked is the word I would use. I just, they have a lot of they guys. They have a lot of bodies. <laughs> they have a lot of bodies in the bottom half of their lineup, and a lot of guys who project to be. NHLers True. and maybe good ones, but not top six forwards, Agreed. not top two, top four defensemen. Yeah. They have a lot of dudes who are in that bottom half. Some of them might be really effective. I think Allison could be one of them. <sighs> Can't make the club in the tub, though, man. Like you That's just, what they say. You have to be out there. It's... Uh, I'm rooting for him. He's one of the dudes I'm rooting for. One, Same. it's just he's one of those guys that's been around so long. Yeah. Like I said uh, yesterday with Morgan Frost, like I'm pot committed now. <laughs> I need to see how this turns out. Yeah. I, I don't want him to fail or make it somewhere else. Yeah. I want to see him do it here. Yeah. It just seems like he might not, uh, he might not get that opportunity. But uh, you all have the opportunity to take – Take advantage of one hell of a deal from our friends over at uh, FOCO. FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. Hockey, just around the corner. You know, it's going to get a little chilly. We know it's cold in that rink, Charlie. You go to practice every day. Voorhees is a cold, cold arena. You're not wrong. You need a good jacket. You need a good one. And whether you're looking for a jacket or overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, for a tailgate, you can get it over at FOCO. Uh, Whether you're looking for team apparel and accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, stuff like we have on this set right here, it's all available. And uh, FOCO always has our back for Philly sports and they have yours too. get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show and for all non-presale items use the code use promo code phly for 10 percent off that's phly take advantage of that today with our friends at foco uh charlie there was one thing that did come up uh in this was the who's the decision maker because we've joked around like you know yeah keith jones He's the president, but I, I'm sure he's in on hockey ops oh, stuff, absolutely. but he is, he, he's here to appease fans. He's the public he's facing here to appease, guy. Yes. He yes. is going to make the comments. He is going to tell us about what is decided by the actual hockey ops guys. It seems at least that's my interpretation of his role. I, I would Danny Briere agree. is the GM. Sure. Okay. Uh, but John Tortorella sounds like he's in charge, and it was it, it was a question like, okay, so opening night, who's going to make this decision? And Danny Briere says, you know, it's a collaborative effort. It's a team. We're going to have disagreements, and I like disagreements. That's how we, you know, that's how we get better is by us disagreeing and finding the answer. Okay. What happens when you have those disagreements, though? Who wins? Kind of sounds like the answer is John Tortorella. Well, I think so. I think John Tortorella absolutely has a lot of power in this situation. There's a reason why they've called it a triumvirate, you know, with with Jonesy, with uh, with Briere, and with Torts. Torts has probably more power than NHL coaches usually have, and 
in part, it's because Torts was truthfully one of the drivers of this rebuild idea. You know, he was kind of, that was part of the reason why he endeared himself to the fans, because he was the only guy who seemed not to be talking nonsense last the year. The most sane person <laughs> in the building was somehow John, John freaking Tortorella, <laughs> the lunatic who would fight you in the stands. That was the most sane person in the building for a majority of last season. Yes, yes. So... I do think he has more power than your average coach. And I do think that in the end, like when we're talking about in-game stuff, obviously the buck sauce with Tortorella, yeah. they can't do anything. It's not like Danny Rear is going to call down to the bench and say, play Morgan Frost more, get him off the fourth line. <laughs> so like Tortorella is going to have that power. The real question for me is what happens if Briere brings up somebody or Briere puts someone on the team and Torts just doesn't like him. We saw it happen Last, who was it last year that they played like Hayden Hodson? It was Hayden he Hodson. One yeah. period basically, and then Torch decided played this like, guy can't play. Played like three shifts, <laughs> and that was it. And they like they went with. Was that the game where they had seven defensemen? That was they, the very first so game they, of the year. Did they go with ten forwards? The game? maybe or somebody I'd have got to go hurt. Back. I can't remember the exact situation, but like Tortorella, I think they were down a forward, and he still wouldn't play Hodgson. I think was, but I don't remember. But it was like. All right, yeah, Danny can make that decision to bring up a guy. That don't mean the coach is going to be like, oh, yeah, he's going to get ice time. Exactly, exactly. So it'll be interesting to me to see when they butt heads who ultimately wins because, like, Ken Briere, if a guy gets called up and isn't playing, Ken Briere march into Tortorella's office and say, you got to play this guy, and if you don't play this guy, I'm going to throw shit. Like, Briere, what I've been told is that Briere does have that fiery side where he's willing to get in your face and he's willing to tell you this is the way it is. It's just John Tortorella, like that's his every moment personality. And it's going to be fascinating to see if Briere can actually on the regular stand up to somebody like Tortorella because look, We've watched Danny Briere in press conferences. We've watched him in interviews. He's been a flyer, really, for years in a lot of different ways. And he just gives off that nice guy vibe. Yeah. And John Tortorella does not give off that nice guy vibe. And it's vibe. just like, I don't want to compare this to a uh, a romantic relationship. But <laughs> I'm curious these, where you're taking this These one. two are going to be linked together probably for a long, long time. Uh, when you have to live with somebody, not have to, when you when to. you have the opportunity to live <laughs> with someone and do so for you know a, a long long term situation, uh, is Hayden Hodgson the one you're going to start the fight over? Yeah, like you know what, you're die on that hill. You know what, <laughs> this ain't worth the fight. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, I guess it's probably going to depend on the level of the guy and what they actually think of them. You know, if if it's like. You know, the uh, the treatment Stamkos got early when Mitchkov comes over. And it's like, yeah, we think he needs to be benched. It's, well, you're wrong. So, no, yeah. we are going to have this fight. Yeah, this but, is a fight we need yeah, to have. But when it's Tanner Lazinski, it's going to be like, yeah, okay, you win. And, and there's an element, <laughs> like, too, there where it's like they're trusting towards. Yes. Part of this plan is that they're trusting Tortorella's ability to evaluate these guys and to come and tell them, this guy stinks, this guy is good and needs to be part of it. So some of it is Briere needs to have a backbone at times, but some of it is just that they are in a lot of ways deferring to John Tortorella's expertise when it comes to, you know, for lack of a better term, like which guy's got that dog in him. Like they're trusting <laughs> towards to evaluate that. They are. I and it makes sense. It does make sense that if you're gonna bring in a guy like John Tortorella and you'd look at the situation, all right, well. <laughs> If he's not going to win games, why the hell is he here? Yeah. It's to be this evaluator yeah. and to be another voice in the room. I understand it. I just think ah, I want my GM in charge because he has the bigger picture right. in mind. Right. But, you know, they did ask. Like, this was a question that came up today. It was like, well, you know, what happens when it doesn't align? And Danny kind of said, you know, when he was hired last year, because he's the AGM or the assistant to the whatever special it was. Assistant, yeah, special like assistant, special assistant yeah. to the, yeah, he's Dwight Troop, basically. Um, <laughs> like, they, he says, you know, when they hired him, I thought he was going to be one of these guys who just leans on his vest. Yeah, yeah. And he was pleasantly surprised because it was, listen, look at what he did make the, like, 
didn't lean on the vets. You know, we talked, we joked all year about the Kevin Hayes situation. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, bench not, Kevin not Hayes. Not a center. Openly hated, <laughs> like, openly hated Kevin Hayes. And Noah Cates, who's not a center, was like, no, he is. Yeah, he's our he's our he's our one C now. Yeah. How you like that? Kevin like, Hayes, who's so, been a center for nearly yeah. a decade in the NHL, no, not a it. center. Noah Case, who's been a wing Never most of his career, he's yeah. a better center yeah. than you. So it's he did in certain situations go youngster over veteran. And I guess that's good, but he does strike it as a guy who's like, yeah, Mark Stahl's in the top four. Yeah, yeah. The the defense to me is going to be the the really fascinating part because. Quite frankly, there's just more spots available on forward. You know, you've got 12 spots. Theoretically, I guess you could you could dress an extra guy, but you wouldn't because no one ever does unless they're trying to punish Tony D'Angelo for something. It was <laughs> when they dress five defensemen because he refused to play Tony D'Angelo. But the defenseman setup is going to be really interesting because they're just they have so many bodies, but they also have so many prospects that are real close. Like we talked about it. You look at your top six, and it's looking like you know, obviously Sandheim and Risto are in the lineup. Cam York's in the lineup. Mark Stahl's in the lineup. Then you have Nick Sealer and, and, and Sean Walker. There's six defensemen right there. Zamula's now... Zamula makes the exempt. team. He's, yeah. yeah, he makes the team presumably. I don't think they'll want to take the risk of losing him for nothing. So he's the seven who is trying to push a Sean Walker, a Nick Sealer, even a Mark Stahl out of the lineup. And that's not even accounting for the fact that Ronnie Adder's real close. Adam Jenning apparently is real close. I'm real high on Emil Andre. There are guys that are going to need playing time and you've got all these vets. And I'm going to be very curious to see Number one, how Tortorella does it. Number two, if Tortorella isn't playing the kids, what does Briere do about it, if anything? And uh, we will absolutely have to keep an eye on that. There was one more thing. Oh, yes, the goalie situation. Because uh, first it was a question about the, the backups, and right. we'll get to that. But he was asked about the 2018 uh, Hockey, Canada. Uh, Hockey Canada investigation. And it seems like they're just throwing their hands up at this point. He's like, we don't know. Yeah. We've asked. They're not telling us anything. We would like to have an answer. We're not getting one. So what the hell can we do? And in the uh, – it seems like the most – I wasn't there, so I can't get the tone. But the most decisive answer we've got about Carter Hart, because it was an ask about the backups. or the backups going to play more? He goes, well, Carter's our number one. Yeah. And he's proven to be a number one NHL goalie, which I do agree with. Yeah. Uh, but it just seems like they are very frustrated with this situation. I think they have every right to be, to be honest, because this has been hanging in limbo for a year. Like, I'm when I write stories on this, I'm going back to the quote that Carter Hart gave us on this at the start of last year's training camp, which was him saying, I'm sorry, I can't comment on this. It's an open investigation. There's legal things involved. And that was a year ago. Like we're coming up on a year and we're still waiting on any type of resolution as to who is involved. Is there going to be punishment? Like, what are the implications of this? And if I'm the Flyers, I got to be frustrated because I. It, Look, we've talked about it, this on the show as well, about the idea of even if Carter Hart is ultimately clear he wasn't involved in this, is he even part of the future? I think you're absolutely right in that. I think they would have very, very much taken offers on him in yeah. the summer had this not been hanging over his head. But this is slowing down their ability to decide what they want to do with their goalies. Because, I mean, I'm sure they know more about like Hart's involvement or lack thereof than we do to be sure like I'm sure Hart has talked to them about it I would assume that said they're probably getting the story from Hart they don't know what this investigation is going to say so they're waiting too on you know did one of our players do a really terrible thing and they got to be frustrated that they still don't know and just the hockey aspect of this like I do believe Carter Hart has proven to be a number one goalie in the NHL and he's still young enough to the point where it's does he have star level potential sure but i right now think you put the right team in front of him he could win you a stanley cup or at least be i think so be the starting goal like, i would agree with yeah, that if he was in colorado he wouldn't be the re like a aiden hill like come yeah, on. <laughs> like, exactly if he was in one of the if he was on a cup contender he would not hurt their chances at all to win at the very least agree and if he gets hot in the playoffs the way he did you know in 2020 at least early uh it's definite possibility that he could win it for you i would agree We'll see if he has star-level potential. That said, the contract situation, his age, 
the situation the team is in, it might not just line up. Exactly. And if that's the case, a lot like we've said with Travis Konechny, get something. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. if it doesn't, cool. Guess what? Carter Hart's going to go for a shit ton. So let, let's get all that. Well, while this investigation's going on, if there's no resolution, you can't do it. And again, we've harped on this. There are much bigger concerns here than the state of the Philadelphia Flyers as it relates to this investigation from 2018. But we're talking about the hockey team, right. and this is something you have to consider, and it's what they're thinking about. Yeah. Like, I, if he's somehow implicated in this, one, they probably don't want him on the team. <laughs> like, I don't. I wouldn't. I'd be like, all right, see you, bro. Like, later. Yeah. yeah. And just there's plenty more, but we are talking about the hockey team, and this is something they have to consider whether he is implicated or not. Yeah. He might not be part of this. I'm shocked that we are now, what, 48 hours, less than 48 hours before the start of main camp, and there's nothing, especially given the fact that for like months in the summer, the NHL kept being like, it's soon. almost ready yeah. it's soon. And now we're about to start main camp for everybody and still nothing. Uh, it's wild. It's, I'm sure like the Flyers are frustrated. I am absolutely sure. You know what shouldn't be frustrating? What's though? that, Bill? Buying tickets to your favorite events. I agree. Uh, it it is not at all with game time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't ever be stressful. And game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you uh, with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have because game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You know, Philly's coming home. It's the stretch drive. It's hard. I, I know, man, you're in your thirties now. You don't just get up like, okay, yeah, we're going to easily like plan what Philly's like, games you might are going be in your thirties. Some of our listeners aren't in their 30s. Uh, yeah. We have younger listeners. We, we have do. older listeners. We do. We do have younger listeners. For all of you college-age listeners <laughs> out there, it is very easy to make plans with your friends. You're like, okay, yeah, we can plan this down the road and it'll be fine. Man, it's tough. And sometimes you just have an open, like, oh, let's go to the Phillies game tonight. You can do that no problem with game time because it is the place for last-minute ticket deals. You for can forget planning months in advance because game time has deals on tickets right up to the day. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's a great guarantee there. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, where the hell were we? <laughs> we just got done talking yeah, about the Carter Hart situation. So Carter Hart. The, uh, the backup's playing a little more. It's something we've talked about because of how much they like Samuel Airson. Like last year, I think they kind of knew about Felix. Like he didn't have the best AHL season. So it's like, okay, if he's our backup, because we're going to lose him in waivers, yeah. he ain't playing. But they liked what they saw out of Ersan. And if like his overall numbers weren't great. But that was primarily you, primarily because they stuck yeah. him in in net that final game against the yeah. Devils, and he just if, ate all those goals if against. If you look at the game log. He wasn't bad. No, he was good. I, and I think they're really high on Erson. It's going to be really interesting, though, to see how this backup goalie competition shakes out. I think it was Wayne Fish who asked the question. It was a good question, just about what happens, especially if we're operating in the assumption that Carter Hart is going to be available for the starter camp, is going to be the starting goalie all year. What do you do for the backup spot? Because you've got Felix Sandstrom's back. He was... I guess mostly the backup last year. Obviously, Urson had some times where he jumped in and took that rollover. But for the majority of the year, Felix Sandstrom was the backup. He's still under contract. He's still here. Then you have Urson, who the organization is extremely high on. And then you have Cal Peterson, Cal Peterson. who, yes, they took him basically to as eat a salary in. as a throw-in because that's how L.A. could get that deal done. That was the value. They got Granz back. They got a pick back. But he's here. He's been an NHL goalie in the past. He's presumably going to be in the mix too so my guess is that this is kind of just going to be an open competition and whoever performs the best is going to get the job and 
I think out of the three of them, Sam Erson's the best goalie, so I'm expecting him to win the job, especially if he plays anywhere near as well as he played in last year's camp when he was the best goalie in camp, probably even better than Carter Hart. So I'm expecting Erson to win this job, but it's still going to be interesting because it's not going to be handed to him. There's, there's three NHL goalies. Now, whether they're good NHL goalies or not, that's a question, but they have three NHL goalies that can battle for the spot, and it's a real competition. That's, I think Felix Sandstrom is ultimately better than what we saw out of him last year. Like, the way he got thrown into games, it was like... It was kind of oh, unfair. Oh, yeah, you're, you're only going to play on the back end yeah. of back-to-backs. True. Oh, so the team got beaten up last night. And now we're going to put the backup goalie in on the tail. Like, yeah. what do you think was going to happen? Yeah, they got killed in those games. He wasn't I mean, placing great He situations. could have been better, but there was a lot of, there was a, like, the situations he played in weren't ideal. I'll be honest. It, like, I like Felix Sandstrom as a person. He's a good guy he's to interview. He's probably not that good. It's just, I've never been super. He's always been a guy. He's got the athleticism. He makes these fantastic saves that can show up in a highlight reel. And then he gives up one or two goals where you're like, That's, what were you even thinking? I think on a lot one? of people, especially when he first came over, uh, if you go to like those dev camp scrimmages, you watch him and it's like, it's a little more wide open. It's a scrimmage. He is making highlight saves. Absolutely. And I think people really, Oh man, this guy's good. It's like, this is just kind of what he does. Like the situation of those games, like the way the games are played highlighted his strengths. I agree. And like Carter Hart doesn't make those saves because he's just square to the shooter and stops it. And it's, it's not, and it was like, Oh, well that was an easy save. Well, yeah, because of the way he was positioned. Yeah, he anticipated like he, and he was he in was, position. Yeah. yeah. Like he doesn't have to do a mystery Alaska, like rolling, <laughs> rolling pad stack. Cause he was just there. I like that reference, Bill. Yeah. It's been a long oh. time since I've seen that movie. I love that movie. I think the last time I saw that movie was like 20 years ago. I should, should bring it back. <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a watch along. <laughs> uh, so the last thing that I want to talk about from the uh, from the uh, Danny availability today was him talking about John Tortorella, and this was your question yes. about you know, we. I think it was last week when we first brought up the Mike Babcock thing that has since resulted in his resignation. Is one of the reasons he was brought in is Columbus believes there overall accountability one of those buzzwords that was it's the reason john tortorella is here yeah pretty much like the blue jackets organization believes after tortorella left their accountability waned and so they brought in the next best hard ass right in in mike babcock and he ends up never coaching the team, actually. <laughs> Didn't because, even make it to training camp. Because he was a jackass before <laughs> main camp was even able to begin. Crazy. So you ask, is there any fear of a Babcock-like blow-up with Tortorella? And this was very interesting to me because it kind of mirrored an answer when we compared the two last week. Right, right. Yeah, and basically what Briere said, and I actually, I kind of want to read most of this because yeah. it was it was and an you can interesting get all quote. these quotes, and Charlie's going to have an article up at allphly.com probably by the end of the day. Yeah, I would, I would say probably in the next, like, few hours. Yeah, I got through about 60% of it, and then I had to record the show, so wasn't able to get the so, whole thing done, but it will be out tonight. We are, we are paraphrasing. We're giving you context, but if you want to see the full quotes and Charlie's story, it's always going to be good. Check out all PHLY later today. Yes, please do. Uh, but anyway, this was the quote that, that Danny had. It was, Torres is a demanding coach, no doubt about that. He's fair. He's to the point. But he has a knack to let the players know he cares about them. He has a knack because it's genuine. He cares about his players. When you hear him talking about his players, he really cares about them. And I think that's kind of what they're hanging on is that you talk to players about Mike Babcock, and they tend to think that any time that Mike Babcock acts like he cares about you, it's disingenuous. It's fake. This guy only cares about himself. He only care, He cares about winning, sure, but he doesn't care about winning for the good of the team. He cares about winning for the good of Mike Babcock. And Briere's opinion, and again, not every single player may share this opinion, but Briere's opinion is that John Tortorella, while he's a hard ass and while he's going to be tough on you and while he may say to your face that, you know what, you really sucked last night and I'm not going to play you tonight, Briere believes it comes from a place of caring and a place of really, you know, giving a shit about the player. And they better be right <laughs> because yeah. we're seeing what happens when players don't believe the coach cares about him and is also a hard ass. He doesn't actually coach a game or even a formal practice for the team. That said, 
I've seen enough from Torts to believe that at least in Torts's own head, yes. he does care about these players. And that's, I mean, he might just be an excellent actor, but the times I've gotten to interview him, interact with him, he does seem like a genuine, pretty good guy. Like, he's a hard ass. He's not going to take any shit. Yeah. He might, you know, his views on hockey might not align with yours. We all remember the Trevor Zegers stuff. But it, he doesn't come off as a dude like I don't want to be around, which that seems to be the case with Mike Babcock. Yeah. Like when Johan Franzen, who had all of his career success under that guy, is like, no, fuck that guy. Uh, he's probably not cool. Exactly. He's probably exactly. not cool. <laughs> and I get the sense that, and I think I said this on the show last week, that Torts, for say what you will about him, he is straightforward. You know where you stand with Torts. Maybe the communication sometimes isn't the best because Torts wants the player to initiate the communication, but you pretty much know based on the group meetings when he'll just say, man, that was a shitty play, something like that, and just rip a guy. Like, you know where you stand. Whereas with Babcock, from my from what I've heard, it's a little more underhanded. He plays games with players. He plays head games. I mean, think back to the, uh, the Mitch Marner thing where he breaks brings Mitch Marner to his yeah. office, says, I want you to rank everyone's work ethic, and then he goes and shows the rest of the team what Mitch Marner ranked everyone. Like, yeah, like it's that, that, is that the, kind of bullshit like that, that players hate. That is something that gets you in a fist fight in, like, any other, like, if you don't have... Like authority over somebody, yeah. like that is straight up snitching. Yeah, oh, it totally. Like, that is, is that yeah. is a dick move. Yeah. Uh, so Charlie uh, is as as the journalist that he is. He is working to find out who the captain of the Flyers is going to be, and he Tirelessly. is not. He is not going to rest until he finds out who the captain of the Flyers is going to be. Uh, but we found out who the captain of the St. Louis Blues <laughs> is going to be today, and I cannot wait. Whenever we have the opportunity to have Steph on the show to talk about Braden Shen. Her favorite. Braden Shen, now the 24th, I believe, captain in St. Louis Blues history. I can't believe you know that. I read like three articles Okay, today. fair. Uh, <laughs> I, I just know how many captains. Hey, I, don't, I don't know. I, Maybe it's something that you just I keep had, in your head. You memorize every up, single team's captain history. I had to history. look up. I was like, well, who was their captain? Was it like Tarasenko or something? Was, no, it was Ryan O'Reilly. He right. took over when Petrangelo, Petrangelo left. Yeah. And they traded O'Reilly to the Leafs at the deadline. And now Braden Shen is the Blues captain. He has been with Craig Berube <laughs> two years here, and now he's entering he's entering his uh, eighth year with the Blues, which is insane, and like his sixth, seventh with uh, with Berube. One, I can't believe the dude's about to be thirty two. Like it's it wild. Just, huh? It seems we were just talking the other day about the 2011 rookie game. He's like, yeah, he's the best player not in the NHL. He's 20, 20 years old. It's like whole life ahead of him. He's 32 now. <laughs> I mean, he's won a cup. What this really did for me was like he won a, like reading the articles about it. He won a cup of the Blues in 2019. I'm like, how are they so bad? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they've they've lost. They lost people. O'Reilly, Petrangelo, and Tarasenko. So that, yeah, they probably helps. stink now. Yeah, right. Uh, but <laughs> it's just crazy how quick it happened. And but like the Barubi tenure still going on. And this dude, Braden Chen, who like grew up here, he's been away since 2017, since yeah. the uh, Nolan Patrick draft, and. It's just wild how this is all unfolding. Now he's the captain of a franchise. He's always... It, it's funny to me to think of him as a captain because yes. I always viewed him as something of a goofball. Yeah. And... I don't cover him anymore. I really never really covered him. I was sort of around that uh, the 2016 2017 season when I was, and I guess the 2015. So those two years I covered him a bit, but like I didn't really build like a strong relationship with him. I was still trying to get my feet wet as a journalist. I was basically half blogging for BSH, half working a, a full time marketing job. But I always got the vibe that he was something of a goofball, and maybe he's become more serious he's gotten older or maybe he just is a goofball who also is a leader i mean you know he's on kevin hayes is there right yes yes okay so he's got the support <laughs> of kev gotta be a great locker room <laughs> i bet that like with craig baruby at the top yeah right and then those two uh but it's and uh, finally just to wrap this up today because i i found it uh very funny um <laughs> 
speaking of former flyers and leadership positions, we got a uh, we, we got this submitted to us via Twitter today, and it's the link isn't clicking, so I'm trying to bring it up as quickly as I can. Uh, from uh, from Mikey Y on Twitter, longtime listener, he said a, a nugget from this uh, Greg Wasinski ESPN article. It's the uh, NHL Superstars Roundtable, and it's Brady Kachuk was asked, uh, "Who do you think would make the best like current player? Okay. Who do you think would make the uh, best?" coach or GM one day and he said Claude Giroux would be a great GM just a very smart person I think he just knows a lot about the game and would be a great person leading the charge one and I don't mean to say this in any derogatory way because Claude Giroux is one of the greatest flyers of all time one of the best hockey players I've ever watched in my life I've never heard anyone describe him as a very smart person before. I mean, he didn't want to leave the Flyers, which <laughs> tells me straight up he's not all that bright. <laughs> but I'm sure he has tons of hockey sensibility. And if nothing else, he got a firsthand lesson for about a decade in what not to exactly. do. So him got running a, lot of a team, like him running a team, it's like, oh, all I got to do is the opposite of what everyone <laughs> did while I was the captain of the Flyers. And uh, I bet I could put together a damn good team. Well, you know, this is just the inevitable march of the Flyers where Claude Drew is, <laughs> is destined, be coach is destined like, to be the GM and be the next Bobby Clark. I just, if someone said like in a conversation I saw about this, like I really hope that's not the case because I love G right. and like I, I don't want to have that taste I have in my mouth Bobby Clark now. The difference being Bobby Clark won and was like nothing but successful his entire playing career. Claude Giroux will be hungry yeah, <laughs> to win fair. that championship he was unable to win well, as the captain of this see, franchise. The, the only problem is is that with, with Clark, he was able to, when he moved upstairs, he was able to say, I'm no longer Bobby, I'm, I'm Bob. Bob. What can Claude do to change his name? He's got to make some sort of adjustment. He's going to go, he's going to combine, he's going to be Mr. G. Mr. He's G. Gonna be like, he's going to be like Mr. Snyder, but Mr. G. Mr. G. Okay. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. Okay. I'm still calling Danny Danny. Oh, is yeah. That, is, I, I think that's fine. Because like, he doesn't like Dan. That's no. not like a thing in French. Yeah, that's fair. And Daniel. no one's calling him Daniel. Yeah, I, I refer to him as Danny when I ask yeah. questions. I think he, when I, I interviewed him, I called him Danny, and he didn't say, like, I'm not a child. Yeah, so. he's like, no, I'm Daniel. I'm Daniel. Bill. Yeah. William. <laughs> I hate that. All right. And that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers for today. We'll be back tomorrow at 4.30. Tomorrow is the day. It's a different yes. time. It's 4.30 tomorrow. So half hour later start. But that's all the time we have for you today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search PHLY Flyers wherever there are podcasts. And while you're doing that, maybe give us one of them five-star reviews. Share it with a friend. You know, all that great stuff. Uh, and will be forever grateful. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Have a great week, Philly. We all silly like the mayor. 